Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm a feminist. And I thought the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad that came out today minimized race relations, police brutality, and commercialized democratic protests. But I also thought the police officer in it was super hot, and I would, and I would totally give him my Pepsi any day. And by my Pepsi, I don't mean my Pepsi. <laughs> I'm still recovering from watching that ad. That was... Because I heard about it and I thought, <laughs> it's one of those ones where they've made a big fuss, but yeah. clearly... And I watched it I went, oh, no, no, it really is. Oh, it's she quite bad. solves... Like, it's also... It's sort of this general protest. I love the banners. Have you paused it? Because I have. And they all say, like, start the conversation. Like, That's what ab- they all say. <laughs> about what? About what? But they don't really want to say. No. No. <laughs> no. I'm a feminist, but when... I saw a picture of my ex's new girlfriend. I was relieved that she wasn't as fit as me. <laughs> I just saw her and I went, uh, <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> I am a feminist, but sometimes I just want to be a sex object. <laughs> for like an hour, for like an hour. And then I want, I want it back. I want respect (laughs) and equal pay (laughs) but just an hour every now and again like an hour of being just totally objectified (laughs) Marilyn Monroe yeah just want me for my body yeah you know what I'm saying um no no okay sure (laughs) sure um (laughs) just occasionally just once not every three times a year three times a year that would be nice wouldn't it just to be Marilyn Monroe for an hour I'd love to be Marilyn Monroe just for an hour but like the good like when she's yeah not when she's dying yeah no (laughs) not when she's dying of literally dying of fame (laughs) because she has been so overly objectified and she's completely isolated and no one can just talk to her as an awful person yeah I don't want to be that (laughs) I'm a feminist but when I was at drama school and I was one of the only two women to get a distinction in stage combat, I thought, fuck you other bitches! (laughs) I genuinely did. I thought, I'm That is not supportive, It's not. What we want is all women going forward together. (laughs) That's why we call it feminism, and that's why this is an I'm a feminist part. I'm a feminist part, yes. I'm a feminist but I secretly used to love the television show Entourage. (laughs) And when I watched it, I used to think how fun it would be to be a man. (laughs) It does 
does make it look fun though, right? It does make being a man look so fun, like a man buddy, like man group, you know, like a group of, a group of buddies that go out on the town yeah. and they're all like, Man. Man. I mean, it did get so sexist that I had to stop. I just, Johnny Drama killed that show for me. I mean, how could they be friends with him? Even if he was your brother, you would just cut him out. Do you know, do you know actually one of my hobbies, what I like to do is I just sit down and make up a cup of tea and just think, oh, what's it like being a white man? And I just spend about 10 minutes just thinking of all the things that I could do <laughs> and how much more money I'd have and where I'd be in my career. It's just, it, I, wow. I feel like that is the same thing without having to watch Entourage. Like you just sit there and sort of go, what would it be like? You just sort of go, wow, wow be great. I just, yeah, well, Entourage can get you into that state really quickly. If okay. you ever need to get there quickly. Okay. Or something like Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. You know, when they're sort of all just like being guys and they're being sexy and cool and just arrogant yeah. and entitled. Ah, oh, it looks yeah. great. <laughs> it does, though. It does. It does. It looks like... I mean, privilege is nice. That's yeah. why people like it. That's why it's called privilege. Yeah. It's not called privilege because it's not fun. <laughs> I would love, just for like 24 hours... Yeah to be in the Ocean's Eleven gang. <laughs> and I know not everyone in the Ocean's Eleven gang was white. Please don't tweet in to tell me that, I know. But let us be clear, the Ocean's Eleven gang really is George Clooney, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's be honest. The others, I'm not saying they were there for the purposes of diversity, but, because, and I'm really got, not. We've got a game black and you need to have a British accent. Don Cheadle! Oh, <laughs> do we remember? kept saying, Oh, Blessing. let's not get into any Barney rubble. Like, <laughs> like a Cockney would A say that, but B, they wouldn't Blessing. say it if they're in America because they would know everyone wouldn't know what they meant. <laughs> so, like, no one was, and everyone's going, "What do you mean, mate?" It's like, oh, what's the only way I can speak? It's just like, <laughs> it isn't though. It isn't. Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co-host Susie Wakoma. And very special guest, just Phillips MP, talking about democracy. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Uh, so, we're going to talk about democracy. Look how activated they are and how democratically inspired they are. I can smell I the mean, democracy from yeah, here. It's true. If participating in democracy were as easy as cheering, we would have solved the problem. <laughs> uh, sadly, it isn't. Uh, so, Susie, what yes. was your challenge? Okay, so I am an actress. I'm freelance. And what that means in my flat share in Dulwich, yes, I'm middle class now. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I love it. I really have moved up. Um, <laughs> Um, what it means is that whenever we have the plumber or anything like that, who has to stay in? It's me. It's always me. Everyone just sort of assumes, oh, you can stay. You can stay in from um, an 8 a.m. to a 6 p.m. window, can't you? I'm like, <laughs> I can, I can, but um, that's not the point, okay? Um, so that always happens, and that kept happening a lot recently. We've got things with our windows and stuff, and it's really bloody annoying. And it just got to the point where I was like, do you know what? I don't want to stay in all day. We've had really lovely weather recently and I really did not want to stay in all day. But the thing is, I live with two lovely, lovely, brilliant women and I just didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to be impolite. I was so worried about making sure that I kept the balance of the a very feminine home. Um, and I thought, you know what, fuck it. So I got us on our WhatsApp group because that's how we do it nowadays. And, um, and I said, girls, I've stayed in for the last four times and I can't do this anymore. And I feel like we just need to decide that somebody else needs to stay in for this massive, like, 800-hour window. <laughs> Thinking that I was going to get proper beef from my flatmates and lovely Alison was like, yeah, I'll take the day off work. Sure, I'll do it. And that was it. And uh, <laughs> democracy, it won. Basically, what I learned was that just ask. Rather than feel like a martyr, just go... Who would like to share the load? And genuine nice people like my lovely flatmates will bloody do it. It sounds like you've solved socialism. Um... <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Susan Wakama. Hi, guys. Um, right, so uh, democracy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about democracy 
in my home. There was none. My mum ruled with an iron fist. She was mean and cruel. She wasn't. She just was a mum. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was just thinking about all the hardships I went through with my mum ruling the roost at home. And I wanted to share with you three examples of rebellion uproar that I caused in my house because I thought enough is enough. This is the 90s in Elephant Castle. I am (laughs) free to be who I want. So number one, my first point of rebellion. Now my mum used to wear wigs and uh, she used to love to to mix it up. She has like short wigs, long wigs. I was about maybe, I was in my third primary school, I'll tell you a lot. I was in about seven, I think. And I was like, I want to wear a wig to school. I would like to wear a wig to school. My mum was like, why would you want to wear a wig to school? I was like, I would like to wear a wig to school, mother. She went, no. I went, we'll see about that. So what I did is I went into her bedroom and I took one of her wigs and I put it on my head. And I was like, that's not working out because some of my baby hairs, they're poking out under the wig. So I pulled it forward. I was like, no, their hairs are still poking out. So do you know what I did? I got a bit razor and I shaved off the front of my head. <laughs> and I put the wig on and it was seamless, the hairline. Seamless. Huh? And I was like, yeah, this is it. So, uh... <laughs> my, my edges still haven't recovered. <laughs> No, no, no. That was my first bit of rebellion. And that's shame on me, because as soon as I went into school, no one was buying it. No, all the primary school teachers were like, we should call someone. <laughs> this is odd. So there was, there was that. That was the first point of rebellion. The second point of rebellion, I wanted a pet. My mum was like, no, no, I don't like animals. I was like, I would like a pet, please. She said, no, I don't like animals. The only animal that my mum liked were horses. Now, when did we even fucking see horses? For her to feel such an affinity. She felt like they were noble and grand. The only horses we saw were police horses who would go for a walk. We used to live near a police station and they used to go for a walk and she would come out in the back garden with a cup of tea and just watch the (laughs) noble horses go by. My mum is meant to live in, like, Jane Austen times, I swear to God. So she was like, no pets. I was like, right, no, I'm going to have a pet. Now, one of my really close friends was a lovely girl called Aurora. Hello, Aurora. You probably might listen to this. And she was amazing. Her family were amazing. They were proper, proper hippies. And she used to just make everything. I swear she made her own shoes. Like, she was incredible. And so I went to school and I was like, I'd like a pet. My mum won't give me a pet. And And she went, you know what? You should make your own pet. I was like, yes. Uh-huh. I'm going to make my own pet. So what we did was we got loads of cardboard and we made this little house with a front door and a jacuzzi for the pet and um, little stairs for the pet. And I was like, right, now I had to pick the pet. Now, what you would think is a, a sort of average pet for a child to keep an ant, maybe, a slug, a beetle? No. What did Susan Wacoma pick? She went out into her garden. <laughs> she looked at the floor... And she picked up a leaf. (laughs) She got the leaf, took it inside, wrapped it in sellotape. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's my pet. Now, my pet needed a name, so I looked in a dictionary. We had a French-English dictionary, and I was like, hmm, what could I call it? And I decided to call it Le Fleur. That was my rebellion. Again, my mum's walking past going, at least rebel properly. Like that's, that's just weird. That's just really, really strange. That was my second rebellion. My, my third rebellion was... <laughs> I was a lot younger. This is when we lived in Peckham. We moved around quite a bit. And uh, my ears were pierced. My mum pierced my ears as a little child, but she pierced my ears and didn't put any earrings in it because we were quite poor. We didn't really afford earrings. So I was wandering around my front room thinking, I really want a pair of earrings. My mum was like, we can't afford earrings. I was like, I really want a pair of earrings. She was like, can't afford earrings. So this is what I did. I looked on the floor. (laughs) There's a recurring theme. And I saw a shiny thing, which I now know is a watch battery. (laughs) 
I picked it up and I did that. I put it on my earlobe and it kept dropping down. I was like, oh, it keeps dropping down. Pick it back up again. I put it on my earlobe, it drops down again. I was like, that's not staying put. So do you know what I did? I picked it up again for the third time and I put it in my bloody ear. Oh. In my ear, deep into the ear. And I was like, right, that's not going anywhere. It's parading. It's parading around. It's like, lovely, 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 lovely. And then when I got bored, I was like, right, time to get it out. And, uh, and, I, and I couldn't get it out. I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to tell anyone that. So uh, <laughs> I spent all day with a bit of an achy head. <laughs> my entire head feels like it's on fire. I thought, no, I'm going to tell my mum that. No, no. So I went to bed, and what we used to do, we used to get all our mattresses, um, all us kids, and we used to put it in the front room. We used to all sleep in the front room together. And so I was there, and, and then my mum was like, good night. I was like, good night, good night, good night. Went to bed. Oh, my head's killing me, it's killing me. And so I start whimpering, my mum comes in, she's like, what is it? Puts on the light, my pillow, covered in blood. And she's like, what have you done? I rebelled. So um, that was my third rebellion. Now, so I thought that my mum was evil because she wouldn't give me a pet and she wouldn't let me shave my hair off and wear a wig and she wouldn't let me have an earring. Um, but let me give you an example of actually how brilliant my mum is, which I didn't realise until this moment. So in our final house that we lived in, um, again, we did the mattress thing and we had this intruder come into the house. He tried to get into the back door, which sort of led into the front room. And my mum chased him away. She chased him away and he ran off. And we didn't, I was very young. I didn't really know what was going on. It was about five or six, actually. So then my mum, next morning, she rounded all us four kids up. She's like, children, today, if you need to go to the toilet, you will do it in this bucket. <laughs> Pure confusion. We did not know what was going on. But she, if I see you go to the toilet, there will be trouble. I want you to go to the toilet in this bucket. You tell a five-year-old to piss in a bucket, she's going to do it. So all day, we'd be like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. No, don't go to the toilet in the bucket. So all of us are looking at each other like, what's on mum's mind? Like, should we call someone? I don't know. So we all did that all day, piss and shat in a bucket. And then got to the evening. We were all there in the mattress. Mum was sat by the door, like that. She was like, close your eyes. <laughs> so we all close our eyes. And again, the fucking intruder tries the door, tries it, she leaves it. She leaves it, five seconds, five, four, three, two, one. Opens the door, gets the bucket, and chucks it all over him. That's the kind of dictatorship I want to live under. Thank you very much. Please welcome to the microphone, Deborah Francis White. Okay, so I thought for democracy, I am going to do a feminist democracy pub quiz. Don't shout out the answer if you know it, because that'll ruin it. Shout out the answer if you're taking a guess. We'll get the guess round in, and then I'll say, if you know it, you can shout now. I just feel in this audience, there's definitely going to be someone who knows it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you know, if I was playing jonglers, I'd be like... <laughs> but, given the crowd... All right. What was the first place in Her Majesty's Commonwealth to give women the vote? OK, we've got a Canada here. Now I'm going to say, does anyone know it? which tells you that Canada is wrong. <laughs> yes? You think it's New Zealand, and it sounds like you're from New Zealand. I'm not from New Zealand, I'm Australia. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, they're not actually at war. <laughs> they're the same. I say that because I'm Australian, and they, it is the same. It's a bit like, you know, Peckham and Rye. Um, those are the same, aren't they? Um, you think it's New Zealand? I was hoping the person would say New Zealand. In fact, get this, ironically, the Isle of Man. <laughs> the Isle of Man. 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 They went there first, that's right. In 1881, women with property could vote. Rich women could vote, but some women could vote. All right, so Athens, ancient Greece. What do they call ancient Greece? The birthplace of... That's right. So what year in ancient Greece could women vote? 
I've, heard, I've got one for never. <laughs> 2000 BC. They couldn't. Yes, never was basically correct. In fact, Greece, birthplace of democracy, 1952. <laughs> birthplace of democracy, my ass. Singing in the Rain was in the cinema. That's when women in Greece could vote. <laughs> when did women get the vote first in North America? It is not 1920, because in fact there was a French nun who went to Canada and in 1652 wrote that the female chieftains there have a deciding vote in the councils. So basically, First Nation Native American women could vote. And she said that women voted on who the male chiefs were and the women could depose them. Women had it better in 1652 in North America than they have it now <laughs> under Donald mm. Trump. It feels like we're going backwards, guys. I will just jump in <laughs> yeah. and say that black women, some black women in some southern states didn't get the vote until the 1960s. Yes, that is true. Of course, when we say women get the vote, what we normally mean is white women. And often we mean white women over 30 with lots of money. Uh, so did anyone know what year we got the vote in this country? Yes, it's the centenary next year. 100 years. So next year, we're going to have a great big celebration. I mean, all year, I imagine. That's all it will be. <laughs> I can imagine everyone, everywhere, will just be going, 100 years of the vote. No one will give a fuck. But we will. <laughs> Guilty fabulous will. But we do have to remember it was white women over 30. So if you're a white woman over 30, 100 years next year. Woo! Well done, us. In what year did American women lose the vote? 2018. Oh, some nice work there, some strong work, 2018. Um, it was actually because when the states were started, it wasn't clear who had the vote, right? Because it's, well, we're starting our own democracy, so you've got to start from scratch, you've just got to make it up. Um, and John Adams, his, uh, his wife wrote to him and said, um, which tells you something about their marriage, um, and said, oh, don't forget women. And he, uh, he actually warned publicly about the despotism of the petticoat. <laughs> so here's the thing, it had to be decided. So states actually were actively saying, no women, no women. But what was the state that was the exception? Texas. <laughs> Have you been to America? I mean, it's amazing that women are allowed in Texas. Not just allowed to vote in Texas. No, it was New Jersey. New Jersey forgot to make a law that said women couldn't vote. Uh, so, so they did. They just were like, yeah, people can vote. And then all the other states were like, you know you're letting women vote. And they went, well, they're doing it now. Um, <laughs> and actually in New Jersey... Uh, free black people could vote as well. I think you had to have a certain amount of money. You know, it wasn't as intersectional as it makes out on some of the websites. But <laughs> they, unfortunately, they took the vote away from women about five years later. Um, they just went, it hasn't worked out. Uh, and <laughs> women lost the vote in New Jersey. And they didn't get it back till 19... Someone said it before? 1920. That's right. We in Great Britain got the vote for women two years before America got the vote. That's right. All about freedom. America's all about freedom, because I hear it all the time. I've heard so much about how free it is. And now it's great again as well, which is good. Um, but interestingly, it took them two years longer than us uh, to get the vote. What year did women get the vote in Switzerland? No. 71 is the correct answer. 1970 fucking one, but in 1990, there was one canton left. There was one local area where women still couldn't vote in local elections. And basically, the rest of Switzerland, I think, presumably just said, guys, come on. <laughs> Home Alone is in the cinema. <laughs> Dancers with Wolves is getting great reviews. <laughs> and, and women in your area can't vote. I don't want to go to Switzerland ever again. What was the first ever self-governing nation to adopt universal suffrage without distinction of race or gender? Sweden is a very good guess and a very wrong one. <laughs> it's the Pacific colony of Franceville. 
I mean, it's, it's amazing nobody got it. <laughs> the Pacific Colony of Franceville. And isn't that amazing? What an amazing thing that before anybody else, they got universal suffrage without any restrictions whatsoever. So you're wondering why you've never heard of them? Why they're not famous? Didn't work out. It was a terrible idea. The place has disbanded. Thank you very much. <laughs> Would you like to meet our special guest? Because um, I'm not going to do my challenge till Jess comes on the stage. Uh, she is an MP, like a proper member of parliament, and she's only like 34 or something ridiculous. She is a, a fabulous powerhouse of a woman. Uh, she's got an incredible book that I really loved, uh, Every Woman. And you're going to meet her here tonight. Uh, put your hands together for Jess Phillips, MP. So Jess, your book is really brilliant and it really made me feel like democracy was a team sport. It's come at a time where I feel like we are being reactivated and we'd all gone to sleep a bit. Mm. Or no, I won't say we all. Many of us went to sleep Not a me. bit. Not me, I've been slogging my heart out. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of us... Get on with it, people. <laughs> a lot of us went, oh yeah, it's all fine, they've got it in hand. Mm. And it turns out they don't. They don't, don't have it in really hand. Don't. No, they, they really don't. Have, don't. David Cameron seems to have gambled away our country in a poker game. Yeah, but I mean, it's been shit for him too now, hasn't it? I mean, he got his comeuppance. Well, somebody I know said that he was giving an afternoon speech for like fifty grand, and he said, uh, "Yeah, everyone thinks it's my fault." And it I was like, "Yeah, it is though." Yeah, and yeah, he was like, it's, "Yeah, pretty so, much." Oh, everyone thinks it's my fault. I'm sad now. It's all he said at the. Rubbish, I'd ask for my money back. <laughs> don't, don't, ru <laughs> don't ruin my dinner. Really sad at me. Your bad vibes. In a very real way, Susie, I don't imagine you'll ever pay David Cameron 50 grand nah. to speak at a dinner of yours. Nah. I've heard him speak. Mm, I mean, I wouldn't pay 50 quid. No. <laughs> Bang, average. Um, so, what can we do as feminists? to be more democratically activated? Because I feel like we're going to have to now. We're going to lose mm -hmm. a lot of rights that we were covered by the European Union for gender equality. Yep. And they're just going to go, aren't they? Yep. And it doesn't feel... Sorry. It doesn't feel <laughs> Thanks, like... Jess. Like <laughs> Theresa no, May... No, they won't go. Um... Like Theresa May the other day said, well, I'm going to Saudi Arabia, and people were going, oh, but they're human rights. And she said, oh, but I'll inspire the women there by being a head of state. And I thought that it really is Ugh. like going to an area where people are starving <laughs> with a sort fat. of with a steak and chips and going, are you inspired? <laughs> mm, delicious. Ugh. Do you know what? You too could have this steak and chips if your country had food. <laughs> because that is, that is what oh, a, a female head vile. of state turning up somewhere where women are not allowed to drive vile. and going, if you could drive... If you're allowed to, you could drive yourself to a polling booth. And if you could vote in that polling booth, and I know some in Saudi Arabia in 2015, there were local election rights given to women. But, you know, let's be clear. If you could run for office, if you could do this, if you could do that, it would all be different for you. Be inspired. That is basically <laughs> what she said. I don't think she's going to do that much for us, Jess. Tell us the answer. I, uh, <laughs> so... What you want to do, or whether it's going to be all right, or do, I can answer Could, both. Oh, whether it's going to be all right, definitely that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that one. one. Whether it's, it's going to be all right. right. Well, I mean, the official answer is that the Great Repeal Bill will formulate all of the laws that we have in the European Union that are currently enshrined in law, and will just, as if by magic, become British law. But that is actual bollocks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, because, of course, what it means is that we can take back control and that Britain will now be able to make the laws that were previously made in the European Union, although most of the laws, only 13% of the laws were made in the European Union. It's basically the flaws that were put in place that meant that you couldn't pay people less maternity pay or you mm -hmm. had to sign up to equal pay, working time directives, stuff to do with parental rights. So all of those things. Actually, at the moment, Britain overachieves and it always has done thanks to progressive Labour governments putting in those rules. Um, Have you got anything to plug? <laughs> <laughs> 
that would be a massive plug at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure I can get over that hurdle. Um, <laughs> but the, the problem is, is the floors will now be gone. Mm. So we can drop below the floors. Now, Britain has classically overperformed. We have better maternity rights than the floor. We have better paternity rights than the floor. We have better equal pay re- regulation than the floor. So all of those things are good, once again, all put in place by a Labour government. We don't have a Labour government. Mm. So, I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> apparent. I really, really felt so that. There is a real concern that Parliament can just vote now to degrade some of those rules. Now, maternity, they wouldn't dare because, frankly, we are an angry rabble. Uh, Um, You'd have to be really stupid to try and undo the maternity rules. But the things that cost money, the things that cost government money, like benefits that go to women to help them stay in work, that go to children of poorer families, all the things that actually equal our rights... I can see them going out of the door, I'm afraid. So what can we do? Because I was talking to Becca Bunce, who is an activist, and she and some friends pushed a private member's bill through. Mm-hmm. So I guess they lobbied. They and lobbied what was the it. private member's bill? Uh, it was bill about on. domestic violence. Oh, oh the um, Istanbul Convention? Yes. Yeah. Good bill, that was. Yeah. Um, but she, they just did that as private citizens. So is there... And we are going to get her on to talk about that. Is there anything... What should we be doing? Like, tomorrow, mm-hmm. what should we be doing? Well... Long-term, what should we be doing? The private member's ballot is in a week or so. So they're... Basically, does everyone know what a private member's ballot is? I didn't no. know before I was there. OK. Right, so basically, it's like a lottery of the law. Um, <laughs> and you genuinely pick a number out of a bag. And there's is two there a people. Powerball? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Skinner's always got the Powerball. Um, So the government makes laws and backbenchers get to basically take a law through Parliament only really through private members' bills. Everybody signs their name next to a number between, I think it's, well, I assume it's one and 650 because that's how many MPs there are. And then there's a bag with those correlated numbers in and they pull out the numbers from the bag and those are the people who get to take a bill of their choosing through Parliament. And that's backbenchers. You have to be a backbencher. I mean, it's stupid, isn't it? So as soon as your number is picked out, really only the first top 10 people will ever get heard Mm. because it's only on a sitting Friday and there's only 13 sitting Fridays in a year. They looked out that Ailey, who was the MP who was pulled out in the top 10, and she really wanted to do something about domestic violence, they looked out that they lobbied her. So get in touch with your MPs, because the ballot is in the next few weeks, that find out who the top 10 are, and it's listed on all the parliamentary websites, and try and get a decent human being. If it's Philip Davies... Oh, well, we're not the lobby Philip Davies. (laughs) But that would be funny. Lobby Philip Davies. Clog up his email. If you don't know who Philip Davies is... Don't find out. You'll be be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com That's all based on luck. Oh, yeah. That's 
bonkers. But the truth is, is that MPs who get it out, some of them will have a burning issue that they want to do it right, on. Right, right. But most then can be lobbied, so you can lobby okay. your MP. And people should lobby their MPs. We can only lobby our own MP, though, can't we? We can't just lobby a random. Yeah, don't lobby a random, because <laughs> they won't respond to you. Do you find that as a woman, you get women from all around the country lobbying you on stuff because they think you'll listen? Yes. I have hundreds of emails every week from people who aren't my constituents, largely asking me to help them with issues to do with domestic and sexual violence. I've heard this about female MPs, that they get the job of a normal MP plus women. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like all their constituents and then half the population want stuff from them. Yeah, yeah. And it makes it harder being a female MP. Is it better to come to you than nobody? If you feel that you can't speak to your own MP for some reason... Because it's Philip Davies. Because it's Philip Davies, yeah. yeah. I mean, to the women of Shipley, I'm here for you. (laughs) Um... So... um, But... What you should never do, in, in when you're trying to get an MP to do something for you, don't be rude to them, <laughs> would be my mm. first advice. Don't expect an instant answer, because I get a thousand emails every week, if not more. So if you're not an MP, <laughs> and that's probably most of us, <laughs> is anyone else here an MP? <laughs> no, OK, so you're literally the only one. So the rest of us, what should we be doing for democracy? <laughs> should we be doing for democracy and feminism? When I read your book, by the end of it, I thought, I've got to become an MP. And then I met Jess at her book launch, and she signed my copy. She wrote, to Deborah, become an MP. <laughs> Jess Phillips, MP. And I was like, oh, I've, I've got to do that now. And it's just, so it really did kind of lure me in. I would recommend you mm. read it. But um, I, I feel like um, having a podcast is almost like being an MP, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you get a lot of rape threats? Oh, God. Jess, I bet you me. do, though. I bet uh, you do. You, mm, God. Uh, not so many. Oh, well, don't uh, be an MP then. No. <laughs> I was hoping you might be prepared. No, no. I don't get that at the do moment. Do you get uh, oh, those all emails? Sorts, all sorts of really? threats, yeah, all the time. All I mean, I'd say really... The, in the book, there is some of the worst examples <laughs> yeah, of things of, that have said to There's a chapter on trolling, mm-hmm. and it's really graphic and awful. You're putting people off becoming an MP now by saying... Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> You're meant to be encouraging... Be an MP. Do... What can we do that's not being an MP, though? Because yeah. I'm probably not yeah. going to be an MP. So okay. what is it that I can do? Mm. Well, I mean, the very first thing and the most basic thing that everybody should do, and it is inexcusable not to do, is to vote. Yes. Um, so that is genuinely the only thing that matters, ultimately, because we don't even talk to people who don't vote. So when I knock doors, I have a register of people who do and don't vote. Mm. I don't knock your door if you don't vote. So those people who don't vote never get ever included in the political conversation. So it is really important that people vote and register to vote where they live. And that I really think important. a lot of our listeners, or most, if not all of our listeners, will vote. Uh, what else can we okay. do? You can lobby your MP. You can get in touch with... In fact, you don't even have to do that. You can organise stuff yourself. You can... First of all, care about something. Don't just be political for political sake. What gets you up in the morning? What drives you? What makes you think, if the system knew what I knew, the system would be better? And that's what drove me, because I worked at Women's Aid. I thought, fuck, if they'd seen what I had seen, they would never, ever say some of the things that they say and do. They would never think those things. So find the thing that drives you and organise... Don't mourn, organise is what people always say. And it might just be in your workplace. It might just be that you've got a wanker of a boss and he always praises the dudes or he's really horrible to one particular person. And you should organise amongst your peers. You should be doing that sort of thing. But with genuine political activism, if you really care about your library not getting got rid of, don't wait for someone else to do it and don't moan at someone else to do it for you. Get out. Get people's names on a petition. Go and see the people who make those decisions. And don't stop until your voice is heard. Because I really, even though sometimes those people are a pain in the ass, mm. I really, really respect and I respond. And if you show willing in the political process, mm. 
I'm much more likely to help you. I don't want you to moan at me something about something and then I'm just going to come and solve all your problems. That is not what politics is about. It is about all of us. Democracy is about all of us. And we all have a part to play in doing something. So the stuff about Trump and everyone marching in the street, that is brilliant. That shows the world that we are not going to back down and you make a, a stand and a stab. But ultimately... It is for your solidarity that you mm. march. Yeah. It is to make you feel better that other people in the world feel that way. If you want to change something, you have to take it to the next level. You have to be willing to work at it. Mm. Well, Sorry. that leaves me to my challenge, Jess, because uh, this week I read a story about a teenage girl and her school, they were getting all these new school rooms and they wanted to name the school rooms so they'd asked the teachers to put forward, you know, names of people who'd inspired them, famous people, people from history, that kind of thing. And when the names were announced, this girl, Liv, noticed that four out of every five names put forward had been the names of a man. So she'd gone to the headmaster and said, hey, um, because half the school are girls, it'd be really nice if when we went into rooms, we were inspired to see some famous women. I would have thought a headmaster hearing that would go, well, well done you. We're educating young women. And of course, we've done it like this by just asking all the teachers. And of course, most famous people are men. So that's what they've done. But great. OK, well, you put forward some women that you'd like to see on the door. So let's make a project of it. But in fact, the headmaster said one in five is fine. So I heard about this, and I went on her Facebook page, and I thought, what else can I do? And I thought, do you know what? I've got a platform. I've got a podcast. I've got listeners. Because she was trying to do signatures, and she was getting really discouraged because she was getting no support. And the school was saying they were disappointed in her because it had got them press attention, and that she was making out their school was a bad place. So I thought, what can I do? I thought, I've got a platform. So for my challenge this week, I invited Liv Jones to come here tonight and meet you and talk to you. Amazing. Um, so please welcome to the stage, Liv Jones. <laughs> so Liv and Jess haven't met before because I kept them in different dressing rooms. Because um, I, didn't, I didn't want to ruin the magic. Um, so, Liv, you are not a constituent of Jess, just to be very clear, nor do you live in Shipley, but we'll put I'm that I'm willing to, one side. to yes, break the protocol Jess also knows on this other one occasion. Uh, so, could you tell us a little bit about what happened? Um, well, basically, so I had been speaking to some teachers, because um, my Spanish teacher, my music teacher, um, about their room names, and what happened was that they'd all put forward, so they were just asked to put forward people who inspire them, so both departments had put forward five men each, but our head teacher had said that there needed to be at least one woman, um, so we did that, and yeah, and I just thought that it wasn't okay, so I did something about it. <laughs> <laughs> Have they changed it now? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. They're, they're being a bit difficult. And when your head teacher said to you that he thought that that was okay, that it was one in five was a woman, did you challenge him? Did you speak back to him? Well, I understand that he's a teacher, and yeah. <laughs> I'm not encouraging the kind of insubordination that I got up to when I was at school. But. Well, basically, what happened is that um, I probably. Probably shouldn't have done this, but uh, I just, <laughs> no, I just you should. Of, you, I can tell you no, now before you say it, you should have started the, the page and the petition before speaking to him because I'd spoken to two teachers that I trusted, and the uh, leadership team weren't um, that, that happy about it. This yeah. is, I actually say this in my book the first thing about campaigning is it is always easier to apologize than it is to ask permission because if you wait till you have been given permission the powers that be will have squashed your idea until it is nothing. And it's much better to go, oh, sorry, I didn't realise that was going to be, like, really bad. <laughs> you, so... They evidently wouldn't have said yes because they're annoyed that you've done it. So there would be no petition if no, you'd asked. probably not, no. And how many signatures do you have? Um, 2,000 from this morning. 2,008 okay. from... We're all, can we all tweet yeah. it or will we get you into more trouble? Oh, no, go for it. Yeah, everybody <laughs> has to tweet. 
the petition. It's called Rooms of Our Own. Oh my oh. God, you're like bright and sassy. Oh my God, so brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, now, the reason I wanted Liv to come here tonight was I thought, the thing is, we don't always win. Mm, that's definitely And true. I don't know if you're going to win, but I want you to know you've got an army. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And that you'll have a tribe. Because, Jess, you've probably lost lots. <laughs> Loads. <laughs> <laughs> but you've also won. Yeah, and I think it is important to know that you don't win every battle and to pick your battles, and I think you've picked yours well because I bet you there's other things in your school that have irritated you in the past. Not really. We, we go to a really, really oh, okay. good school. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do go to a good school. It's just that... And I've been called... Um, well, I've, it's been suggested that I'm accusing the teachers in the school of being sexist, but I don't think that at all. It's just perhaps they didn't consider it. Like, but, I mean, I mean, you have to think about the reluctance. Like Deborah said, the fact that you brought it forward and yeah. that it was just absolutely squashed, there is a reluctance there. And, yeah, it might be a brilliant school and you feel bad for turning your back. It's, it, it's sort of like when you meet people who are ultimately very, very nice, but then they do something that is wrong, sexist. It's mm. still sexist. Good people can still do bad yeah. things. Was... And you bringing attention to this hopefully is going to teach these people that they need to listen. What are they afraid of? Never, ever have I ever tried to do anything or achieve anything that wasn't tried to be squashed by somebody. Every time you try, especially if you are a woman, especially if you are a black woman, a young woman, a poor woman, everything you try and do people will try and delegitimize your voice in some way they will make out like you are causing other people a problem that you are the problem in this situation and it is absolutely sort of textbook behavior of a patriarchal society that blames a victim that says oh you know you shouldn't take this job to tribunal for your pregnancy uh, discrimination because oh, you, you, the other staff will lose out when the lawsuit has to pay out. They'll lose their jobs and the woman goes, oh, you, you know what, you're right. I don't want that for other people, so I won't do that. Well, the person who did the thing wrong was not you. It was them. So... Every step of the way there will be people who try and tell you mm. that you are wrong that you shouldn't have done it and you will feel it as well because we all do that we all go oh god i went too far um, <laughs> asking for equal rights <laughs> but what you should know is you, you don't always win you don't always win but actually the truth of the matter is is that the reason people try and squash you and the reason people try and stop you and try and make you feel guilty for what you are doing is because you are winning. Your voice is being heard. And you, I mean, it is... I hope you do bloody win. I'm going to come to this school. We're going to take down the details later. Yeah. I've, if it's not called the Jess Phillips Science Room by, by Friday week, I'll be very surprised. Science. <laughs> what you don't know is it's Liv's birthday. Um, she's 15 today. And I've got your present because I knew that you were feeling like, oh, I'm making trouble. Like that was the main thing I could feel from Liv. So I thought about, in terms of democracy, the people that made the most trouble. And I've learned a lot about them recently, the suffragettes. They were kind of just terrorists. Like they, they <laughs> blew, exactly what they, they were. blew stuff up and they set fire to stuff. I always thought they chained themselves to railings. Like, no, they were badass people. And one of the things that they did, they would had a way of writing votes for women on coins and putting them back into circulation, which is illegal because you can't damage money. Mm -hmm. And then the money would be seen as, as, as not valuable anymore. But it was one way of getting the message around. So I got a coin, original coin, oh, that one of the awesome. suffragettes fucked up um, that says votes for women and I made it into a necklace for you oh, so that you can wear it oh my god that's amazing because, thank, um, you. thank you thank you that's your feminist troublemakers necklace because I really do not want to encourage you especially with an MP sitting next to me to set fire to things um, and I'm not encouraging you to blow anything up and nor no, is Jess just no, for the record I am definitely not encouraging no. any act of terrorism but, um, 
But I think that kind of low-level mischief, like, you know, damaging the coin, it represents something. If they hadn't done it, we still wouldn't have the vote. They asked nicely a lot of times, and it didn't come. You know, as I was saying before, in Switzerland, they were still asking nicely in 1991. Yeah. You know, at some point, you've got to say, I'm going to start a petition, I'm going to do something about it. So I really congratulate your efforts, and Thank we you. really hope you win. We'll all follow the story. Totally. I can't you. wait to see you win. <laughs> and be encouraged be really encouraged you should be well proud of yourself really 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 because mm. it takes real guts <laughs> thank you <laughs> Question from the audience. Any questions? There's one here in the front row. That's front row privilege. <laughs> um, it feels like Theresa May being Prime Minister mm-hmm. is being seen as some big feminist win. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like she's getting away with a lot of things. And I'd like to know how we hold her accountable for the things that mm-hmm. she does, which is not in the name of women. Mm. Well, we have to just keep on calling her out on it because the fact of the matter is, just because she is a woman, and I don't want to downplay that, that matters. That matters to young women growing up today, seeing that you can reach the top of the tree. But it only matters if she delivers for women on the outside of that building. Mm. You know, at the moment, I'm yet to see it. I'm yet to see it, but she's, to be fair... She's only been in for like 15 minutes. So potentially we should give her a bit of time. But like with Margaret Thatcher before her, it was, you know, she was no sister. She was basically, and Theresa May does it as well, is she will settle. And I think she is a feminist, to be perfectly honest, but I think she will settle for the sake of not being seen to break the status quo. And that's why it's easier for Tory women to rise to the top than it is for angry feminist Labour women like myself, is because we threaten the status quo, and they don't. They say, oh, we will, you know, it's good that we're here, but we won't take away all of your privileges. Mm. We don't expect you to give anything up. You can still have the good jobs and, you know, keep everything that you already had. But I think that we have to keep... It, it hurts her when you get at her about women. So keep doing it. And I think we should probably all say, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Liv. Happy birthday to you. Would you like to plug your petition, or is there anything we can tweet for you? Well, it's not big on Twitter, but it's hashtag Rooms Are Own anyway, and my username on Twitter is underscore Rooms Are Own, and the page on Facebook is called Rooms Are Own, and so is the petition. Okay, so it's, it's Rooms Of Our Own? Yeah, yeah. Good campaigning in that you've kept that quite simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if we could all tonight tweet and hashtag Rooms Of Our Own, that would be great. Mm. Thank um, you. Jess... Phillips, what would you like to plug? I'll plug my book, Every Woman, and I suppose I should say this, the Labour Party. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny, your book. It's very funny, your book. And coincidentally, the Labour Party is also very funny at the moment. (laughs) Is there any chance you'd be interested in becoming the leader of the Labour Party? Because I would think that would work out really well. Please do that. Please, please, please. It's so bad right now. I don't want you to beg. If you're in any way left-leaning, it's so depressing right now. Imagine what it's like for me. (laughs) I mean, seriously, what is going on? When is he going to go, though? Seriously. Can you? I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Okay, you and the other Labour MPs club together, buy some kind of nice gold watch or something. He comes in and then you all go, surprise! Bye, Jeremy! And you do like a sort of 
like a surprise leaving do. And he'll be too embarrassed. Like, you have champagne and fine pie. Everyone's doing photo shoots. There's a big goodbye, Jeremy. Chocolate fondue. You've put thought into this now. This is very ad lib. I'm loving the yes hand. It would have to be fair trade and completely organic. Whatever. Whatever he wants. I'll buy the chocolate. I'll buy it, my friend. I'll buy it. What do you need to make the surprise goodbye party of Jeremy Corbyn happen? I can actually see a woman drinking wine out of the bottle as we're talking about this. She's just gone, fuck it. Oh, you're me. She's just You're gone. me. Seriously, just make it happen, Jess. I, we'd all get behind you. We'd all get behind That's you. That's very kind. I reckon we could win the next election if it was you. That... And never again if it isn't. <laughs> Susie McComer, have you got anything to plug? If you want to watch um, Chewing Gum and Crazy Head to forget that the world is imploding, do. It's on all four. Go for it. Great. Um, and I have a day here. It's the Guilty Feminist Include Yourself, uh, the Guilty Feminist Leadership event here. The morning is just going to be me doing all the stuff that I do when I go into the corporates, talking about leadership, women in leadership. And then afterwards, we're going to have breakouts. You can either be in here and you can join a gospel choir just to feel what it's like to kind of take up more space. Or you can do big speeches from Shakespeare that are usually done by men in another room. Or There's, there's all sorts of breakouts going on. We're going to having amazing teachers come in. And then we're going to, all going to come back in here and we are going to have a special episode of The Guilty Feminist that you'll only be able to access if you're on the day or some other way, but not it won't just be out there for everybody. And it's on negotiations, and our special guest is Susie Williams. Her main job has for years been at MI5. Um, she's head of negotiating with hostages. And now she does that freelance. <laughs> like, to freelance? Who does that freelance? <laughs> she was like, oh, well, yeah, aid organisations and stuff. And she said often they won't negotiate with a woman because apparently the Venn diagram for feminists and kidnappers, very... <laughs> it's tiny overlap, that is. That's a tiny... It's like I'm not talking to a woman. Um, so she has to Cyrano de Bergerac to a man so that they think they're negotiating with a man, but really they're negotiating with her, which is so good. Um, so she's going to teach us how to negotiate at this episode of The Guilty Feminist, which will be in here, which will be amazing. I want to learn everything about that because I want a new kitchen. Um, so, kidding, I don't, I don't. Um, but it would be useful. The day is sort of like commensurate with other leadership days because we've got to hire this whole space and all of the rooms and have all these teachers come in. So it's £195, but if you cannot afford that, we have £10 places because we want people who can't afford it to be able to come. Uh, so please apply if you'd like a £10 place. And if you can afford that place and more, you can chip in and pay for another feminist to come. Um, which is really nice. And people are doing that. People are just buying whole places for other people, which is super nice. Um, so please come to that. Also, I have a podcast called Global Pillage, which you can listen to at globalpillage.net. It's two teams of comedians versus the hive mind of the audience. So we need a hive mind. Imagine something like Would I Lie to You, except we let women play. Um, <laughs> And, and other diverse people, it's really, really exciting and really, really fun. And it's getting a really great following of its own. But if everyone who listened to The Guilty Feminist listened to it, it would be as popular as this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we want that. Susie does it. I do it. And it's absolutely... I've done it twice. And it's so much fun. I'm not just saying that. Because I get really scared with comedy panel shows. Because, again, they're not the most diverse places. And um, we learn so much, don't we, we do, as well? We do. And you guys get to be involved. So please, please, please come along. Yeah. May 6th, 4pm. It's an afternoon show. So it's after your lunch and before your party. Um, so, and it's here. So please come. So follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash The Guilty Feminist. Like our Facebook page. Sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. It all helps other people. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com People find the podcast. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest host Susie McComa, and our special guests, Jess Phillips, MP, and Liv Jones, the recording engineer.
was the Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Salinsky for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Meta, Sally and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Um, so, uh, shall we play I'm a Feminist But? Yes, please. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. It's all in the notes of my phone this time. No, last time there was genuinely an issue that really wasn't my fault. Now, some of you will be saying you should have been better prepared. And those of you who are saying that are bitches. Now, no need. There's no need for it. No need. You know what? Life's tough enough for women. We don't need to be judging each other for what are clearly technical issues. Uh, oh, hello. Hold on. Don't. <laughs> don't even. Go on, Deborah. Because it's not. No, that's not going to happen now. Okay. I've done it to the notes. It's all going to be fine. I think we've got to focus on how fine it's going to be. Oh, this isn't the right one. Hold on. No, it genuinely has happened again. But it's like one of those ones where now it's going to happen again. Oh, we've got it. It's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> Relax, everybody. <laughs> Relax. The main thing is, is that you're relaxed about what's happening here. It's never the thing that's happening. It's the reaction to what's happening. I learned that from mindfulness. <laughs> I've got an app. But the thing is, it's, I can't work it. And it's very stressful. <laughs> very stressful. I'm banging away at it. And it's like, mindful. I need to be more mindful. And the fucking app won't 